0: Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the marketing podcast for marketers, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. So a lot of uh, listeners mentioned to me recently that they didn't know we had a website and they didn't know they could find resources and a lot of other things around each episode. So you can go to EveryoneHatesMarketers.com and you will see uh, a lot of details about each conversation I have with my guests, uh, such as the key resources, the full conversation, and other details that you might have missed. So head out to everyoneheightsmarketers.com for that. Right. If you regularly listen to this podcast, you know how my guests think copywriting is an important part of marketing. In fact, I believe it's probably one of the biggest parts of marketing. And a lot of people have emailed me about it. Um, In particular, there is one thing in in copywriting that is really critical is nailing your value proposition, which is the strong message that will really convince people uh, about the value you can provide them. So my guest today is Momoko Price. She's a conversion copywriter who mostly works for startups like Respondly that was acquired by Buffer recently, as you might have heard as well as giants like AT&T or Base CRM. Um, she also has a very interesting course on conversion Excel in the Conversion Excel Institute about product messaging. And you should definitely uh, definitely check that out. So, Momoko, I've talked for two minutes now. Um, welcome <laughs> aboard. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. So thank you so much for your time. Let's yeah. dive in into the nitty gritty. Let's dive in into the sure. practical thing around value proposition. But first of all, let's take a step back. What does hmm. it actually mean? Because value proposition is being thrown around quite a lot uh, by marketers and uh, and not so-called good, uh, good marketers. So what does it actually mean to have a value proposition?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I actually threw this into the, there's was the, uh, you know, the conversion Excel uh, Facebook group. And I found that the more that I was like, looking into the context of like how the, you know, the Webster's dictionary definition of value proposition, how that's put forth when I was like prepping to do um, my talk last year at conversion Excel live. And like, I asked the group, cause I was like, is it just me or is the word value proposition just needlessly like confusing and uh, abstract? Like isn't really the only thing that you're trying to do when you're Coming up with a value proposition is like having a clear statement for like why you should choose me and not, you know, the myriad of other options out there, whether it's like an actual like product competitor or just some other existing solution, you know, that will get the job done, but isn't necessarily like a competing product. And that's like the end of like, I feel like that's actually the only thing you should be focused on when you're thinking about what your value proposition is, is just like accept the fact that like. People are skeptical. And when you are first trying to pitch them to like give up money, they're going to err on the side of no. Right. Because like people don't want to give up money for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to give them a really clear reason, you know, like this is the benefit that I provide you. And this is why I do it better than the other options that are out there. So that's the only thing you should be really focused on. Um I think the thing that's really interesting um, that I kind of noticed like psychologically with myself, but also because I do so much customer research um, for my clients, is that we're actually like we're super good at at coming up with value propositions in our heads um, when we are the customer. We're terrible at it when we are the salesperson or the marketer unless you're a good salesperson and like those guys are and women are amazing. Um, But when you're a customer, you're doing that all the time because you're on the internet, you're shopping around, you're buying stuff like, you know, in this day and age, we buy stuff every day. It's like basically part of our daily routine. And so we're always making choices and there's always a bazillion choices, right? And so when we're going about in our daily routine and buying stuff, we are constantly asking ourselves that question, why should I buy X and not Y? What's the pros? What are the cons? You know, and we're going over that question and we make these choices all the time, we're always coming up with a value proposition that works for us. And we deduce it ourselves. Um, And I feel like good marketers and good, like, I guess, well, I guess marketers, they're the ones who provide that answer for you. You know what I mean? Like you're doing that question in your head already all the time. And if you can just like fill in that slot and just like, give that to the person so that it matches like their state of mind and where they're at in their life and the the right scenario. And you, you just like make that overlap work, then you're golden. Then there's no thinking involved. They'll just be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to buy it. Obviously I would buy you, but nobody thinks like that when they're coming up with it.
0: So this is, this is a very good point. And, and uh, let's take a step back. So the, your yeah. value proposition is the message that really convinces people to buy from you, right? So yeah,
1: that's it. That's it, <laughs> that's all right. it is.
0: So that's yeah. the definition, and that sounds simple, yeah. but it's yeah. actually, as you nailed, it's really difficult for marketers to do. In particular, because and not only marketers, people who are trying to launch a new product, or or people involved in it who are not necessarily necessarily marketers, salespeople. So it, it is difficult for everyone, particularly because it's so tough to see the forest from the tree. It's so tough to get out yeah. of your own business and and the own things you're doing day to day you start to forget the actual truth, the actual reasons why people buy from you, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, and that, like, I feel like that's the other thing too, is that like, especially if you're kind of like the de facto market, like so many, like these days, I mean, if you can code up a digital product, like you can just put the marketing hat on, like you can build the product and then you can like straddle both roles. So you build the product and then you also are trying to sell the product, right? Like it doesn't have to be divided anymore. And there's so many people who, like my husband is one of them, like he just launched a product online for like Rails themes. And uh, so you you can end up being super close to the product. And then because you're so excited about the things that you're building and the things that you can make work, which is exciting in itself, you forget that like whether or not it was like really cool the way you implemented this feature and made it work and it's something that nobody else has, you lose sight of the fact that like people can still live without it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just because you made it and just because it's technically really admirable what you did and how much like elbow grease and thought. And it's just like smart um, in terms of how you made it. It doesn't mean that that in itself will convince someone apart with their money. Like they're going off in their own world. They have their own priorities. Right. And it's just like, have you made your case for them putting their money on your product as opposed to something else they might want to buy you know right. like yeah. there's always that decision that's going on in their head and i think that when you're especially when you're building the product and you're so close to it it can be really hard i mean i think everybody struggles with that i even struggle with that like it's no problem for me to you know take on a client's challenge and then cuz i get to be objective right and i have a blank slate and i can just be like well you know, based on what you have on your homepage right now, like this isn't like X, Y, and Z is totally not clear to me. And so yes. it's probably not clear to other and, people.
0: And it's easy as a consultant because you can take, uh, you can really take a distance, but I think we've nailed the problem pretty well. And, uh, and a lot of listeners probably are nodding their head about, uh, nodding their heads, uh, yeah, when, when they hear you talking, because this is exactly, this is the key problem. We really struggle to come up with our own value proposition, regardless of the size mm-hmm. of the business and regardless of the role, uh, that we're involved in. So Let's yeah. get started into a step-by-step practical approach okay. to it. How to create a fantastic value proposition? How do you actually go about it? And let's start with step one. Let's say you are actually starting out with a new, uh, a new client of yours, or maybe you're planning to promote your own thing. What is step one?
1: So step one is making sure that we actually do some surveys. And like, I don't, I don't, I, I, like to build the value proposition based on empirical research, as opposed to just like blue skying it and coming up with some catchy like tagline or whatever that people can do when they get too insular. So what I'll do is as soon as we get started, the first things I do, I'm like, I need you to uh, set up a customer survey that's going to go out to all your paying customers who like your product. We're going to set up um, an on-site visitor survey um, for your web for like to actually get some insight from your prospects who are hitting the site to find out more about your product, like what their expectations are. And then even just, and then like I do a battery of other like research, but that's secondary. The the main things is like the site visitor survey and then a customer survey. Okay. Um,
0: so customer yeah. surveys, let's start with customer survey at step one. Yeah. Um, you said paying customer who like your product. Do you mean that you really need to focus on sending a survey to people who like your product only?
1: No, no, no. But like, it doesn't have to be that at all. It can be, but it should be paying customers, assuming that you have them. Okay. Right. Like, assuming that you have them, then you send that out. Um, and the number one thing that there's like, like my my surveys tend to be about like you know like eight questions or so. Um, but the there are two questions that are super super important for in terms of value proposition specifically, and the first question digs into finding out like what is the top benefit that they get from using you can say top benefit you can say like best result but you want to have them think about like the question should be framed in a way where you're asking the customer like how has your life improved like think of before you use product x and after what would you say is the top benefit that you've gotten from using
0: okay.
1: x product right so that's a question
0: question.
1: yeah so and i'll get into why that's so important in a second but um and then the second question, and this is the one that people usually always do include, and they forget the first one, um, which I would say is almost more important. But the second question focuses on differentiation, right? So at the moment of purchase, um, why did ultimately, why did you decide to go with us as opposed to somebody else, right? So that's that trying to figure out what is that competitive edge that stood out to them that made them... Uh, tip the scales in your favor, right? Yeah. So, those two questions are really important because they get into A, uh, you know, what is the desired outcome? Like, what's the motivation for why someone would even want to use your product, right? And then B, how you can deliver that outcome to the person in a way that, on some level, is exclusively better than other options out
0: there. And I'm right to say that those questions should really be open-ended.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. However, <laughs> however, <laughs> um I do that's why I do like to include the um uh the visitor survey that goes out let's it's like a, you know like a pop-up survey that goes out on the actual website because you can get away, like you can get away with asking open ended questions, I think, to paying customers and they, you know, especially if they like their pro- your product and like your brand, they'll be very generous with their responses and, and they tend to be pretty great about, you know, you can give them like six to eight open ended questions and they'll answer them. Um, visitors, not so much like I don't think I would ever put up a pop up survey that asks a bunch of open ended questions because. They don't have the time and they have no loyalty to you
0: that's a good point that. that's a good point but before going to this go before going to this website survey thing let's finish oh, yeah. the, the the survey no 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 problem that's my job yeah so <laughs> the survey you ask those two critical questions and then I assume you also ask questions about who they are potentially uh I know we are really naming the value proposition so if you think those are the two questions that are really critical for value proposition then I'm gonna ask you the question out like what kind of uh what tools do you recommend to send surveys? Or what do you usually use yourself in your stack?
1: Well, you're gonna love this. Uh, I actually use Hotjar, okay. like, all the time. So, I mean, I use a combination of like, like the thing of, okay, this. I just want to be clear. I have no affiliation to Hotjar. <laughs> they do not pay me. Um, but the thing that I really like about the Hotjar surveys, and a lot of people don't realize you can do this, is that they're the visitor survey. Pop-ups, like if you if you want to try to get people's attention to fill out a survey on a website, I find that the invite is really unobtrusive. Like it's it's you know it's just like a gentle modal that just like pops up and asks like can we get your feedback? It's not it's not very disruptive and it's easy to get rid of. So I like that because I feel like it's designed in a way that respects the customer journey on the website. Um, but I usually use that in conjunction. So the survey is created in Hotjar and then whatever email marketing. Uh, platform, um, the client is using right. is how we will send out, like, specifically to the paying customers. That's how we would uh send it out, right? right? And then, and the thing that's really important is like that survey needs to only be sent to a list of paying customers, and ideally, n- you know, have like a two week window or you know, about that in terms of like from now to two weeks ago, exclude anyone who's bought in that time because it's been you know. Yeah, well, that's not true. I mean, you do want to give them time to use the product before they give you their feedback, but you can always have another question that goes immediately, like right after somebody buys that kind of digs into like, why did you, you know, yes, why did you decide to choose us? But that's a whole other thing. That's, I mean, it's supporting Intel. For the, for the,
0: for the sake of simplification, I guess those two questions, um, yeah. And, 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 uh, and sending that a very selecting the paying customer is probably a good first step. So step two, and you started mentioning the tool. Uh, obviously, as, as you guys know, maybe you don't, uh, I, I, do work for Hojar and, and everyone has marketers, dot uh, com is, is a side project. And as, as Momoko mentioned, She's not affiliated with Hojar at all. I'm not trying to, yeah, to, just to, to, be clear. to, I'm not trying to promote Hoja whatsoever. It, it just sometimes it <laughs> happens naturally that, that people use it. And we will mention yeah. other alternatives, but let's, let's focus on the mechanism sure. behind it instead of the tool, because at yeah, the end yeah, of the day, absolutely. this is what matters. Things can change in 10 years or 20 years, but the, the methods will remain the same. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. you actually advise to, to change, uh, way to ask questions for those people, because as you said, they're not, uh, they don't really care. In in all honesty, they don't give a shit about you. What they are looking for is just something. And they're maybe looking for information, maybe looking for something else, looking for prices. And obviously, they're not going to spend the time to answer eight open-ended questions.
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you try to really – if you, they only have so much attention when they're on your site anyway. And if you're wasting that time trying to get information for them – you know, for value proposition messaging, you may be interrupting their ability to go and like actually buy something, right? So that's like you gotta you gotta pick your battle. So like, you know, for visitor surveys, uh, you know, I only ask maybe about five questions and almost all of them are, you know, choose, you know, choose an answer or fill in other. You know, like okay. they'll so, so just to be clear, like one of the things that's really important When you send out your customer survey to your paying customers, it's great because they can tell you what's so great about your product, but they might not actually recall their state of mind all that accurately from before they had your product and what they were really looking for. Like what was on their mind, top of mind, most important priority when they were originally buying the product, right? Especially for like a long-term customer, their memory might be not, you know, it might've blurred since then. So that's why I think it's important to also send out the visitor survey and get, and then the one question that's really important, um, on top of the two questions that you send out your, to your customers is for the visitor survey, just get a sense. What ask them when looking like, what is the number one thing you're looking for in a blank, like product, whatever your product category is. Right. So, um if it's some uh let's see like if it's accounting software i don't know right and you're selling accounting software um then you would the question would be um you know what are you looking for most when shopping for a con- accounting software and then you would give them a list of like five options ideally you have some sense of what these options might be like what are important to people when they're buying and then obviously you include other so that they can if in case the choices you made are totally uh off the mark like for yes. them they can put in their own answer so that's really important but let me yeah, cut you right
0: there because this is important sure. you say obviously but i don't think it's that obvious at all actually uh oh. so <laughs> no 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 but that's that's fine it, it's it's uh as i said before it's my job so the yeah. the, uh, the the um, on-site survey um I think one good group tip here when you select the type of of choices that people can choose from is to really use potentially initial research you've done with paying customers to really kind of pinpoint mm-hmm. maybe the biggest reasons why uh people yeah. ha- ha- um have bought from you or, or the key things they're looking for, and then, as yeah. you said, adding your own stuff that you think are important, and yeah. mixing those two will probably give you uh a good snapshot from from visitors of what they're actually looking for.
1: Yeah. And I mean, one of the things you can do also to to zero in on what that short list of um, priorities are is you can like depending on your product, you can go to competitor product, especially for like if you're if you're in a saturated marketplace or whatever, you can go to your own product reviews or you can go to competitor product reviews and read those and see what actual people who buy um, or who are looking And, you know, talking with other people about their choices, what they're prioritizing. And you can kind of get a sense of what people really care about because, um, you know, it's surprising the amount of like product review, open-ended content you can read. Yes. Like, yeah. So that's a good starting point if you, you know, you just need some initial research to inform your Further research outreach methods.
0: Okay. So that's very important. And that's something that uh, Joanna Weeb mentioned in this podcast. Oh, yeah. She, uh, her episode just, uh, went out, I think a week or two before, before yours, actually. And she did mention, uh, mining, uh, third party reviews, yes. uh, in your category, I which got that is from critical. Her. Right. Yes. I
1: learned that. I totally learned that from her.
0: So she, she's a clever, she's a, a, a clever, a clever cookie, right? And so yeah. you, Let's, I don't want to go into too, too much details on this particular step. Cause as I said, we did talk about it before, but your take on it is interesting as well, because you would use that to inform, uh, the, the choices that okay. people will make on the on-site survey and even the customer oh, yeah. survey, right? So yeah. you would ideally pick competitors and your own product and look at reviews and identify once again, the, the same yeah. type of things, the biggest reasons yeah. why people bought this one instead of something else, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I actually like I use one to inform the other. Right. Because like what I uh, I put out, a, I think I, I uh, go over this in, in my course, but like one of the one of the things about message mining, it's so good for finding really good like proto material for like headlines and like and subheads and just like awesome copy. It's so helpful. But at the same time, because user reviews are so unstandard and open ended and like even when you can even want a review um, format says, like, what's the number one? Th- what do you like about product X? And some respondent puts in a bunch of answers like they can name like five things. Right. So I often recommend, like, especially if you're an early stage startup and you don't have the luxury of asking a bunch of paying customers you know, um, to give their input on what's your, you know, what the best benefit is in terms of using your product or why they chose you or whatever. If you're super early stage, you don't even have that luxury because you have no one to ask, right? Like no one's paying for your product yet. You're you're trying to get it out the door. So a really common tactic among conversion copywriters, which has been like super popularized, um, from Joanna is, uh, is message mining, right? Like go to your competitor product reviews and read those and check them out. But there's no way to quantify the weight of one message over another in a really um, accurate way, right? Like when you're message mining, like you could, you could take five bits of copy from one review, one bit of copy from another review who's tech, you know, and that's a sample size of two, but one's weighted five times more than the other. If you're just, you know, tallying up which statement was said most often. Does that make sense? Like It does. Yeah, so that can be an issue Like sample size gets really messed up. So you can use a paper response survey to sort of like you look at the message and you're like, well, reading all these reviews, I'm getting the sense that the number one thing people are looking for is X. And then you can take that, which is kind of like it's a bit messy, but you have an impression of what's important and then go to like Polefish or something and then just send out a paper response review that targets your prospects and then see, you know, from a very clear survey question that's like which do you prioritize most you know a b or c you can see which one's the front runner and you get a way more objective and like properly quantified understanding of which thing is most
0: important right so so let me let, so me, let me stop you right here okay. um because i think that the two steps you mentioned actually come before the survey and the on patch survey so i i think in the way you explain things it seems like uh, message mining or like review mining is probably step 1 And step two is probably what you just mentioned. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. So step one message mining, um, is really is like takes a much bigger um, role in the process. If you don't have customers to ask, and if you have a very low traffic website, if you don't have, yeah, like it, so it depends like for early stage. Yeah. Message mining first, then survey, and then like go back to message mining to find actual pieces of copy. Like, cause that's the best way to be able to get some really sticky copy, as Joanna says. Um, but if you are a an established company and you have lots of traffic, you you know, and you have a, a a long list of paying customers, start with that first, right? Like start with that first and just get a sense of like what people care. If you can get input on your product specifically, I mean,
0: go yes. for that first. <laughs> so that's a great point, and that's a good differentiation. So I think we have a good base to work from, and. Ideally, um, at this stage, you should have enough answers, and you should basically have an Excel spreadsheet of all of those answers. Is that typically what you have at the end of these these those steps? Okay. Oh yeah. So then, what do we do?
1: Sorry. Oh, uh, so then the, the this basically comes down to categorizing and quantifying the message themes. Right. So you have a bunch of survey responses from visitors. You have a bunch of survey responses from customers where you say, you know, either. So for the first question for the customer survey was, uh, you know, what's the top benefit? Yes. What's the number one thing that you get out of using our product? You would go through and you would look over those and you would categorize the over because people are going to say it in their own words. Right. So what I do is I'll go through and just categorize generally what each like you make an extra column in your spreadsheet, and then beside the the, the response, you tag, you basically create tags, right? That speed that group everything, all the responses into overall themes, right? Right, and you can come up with those as you see fit. Like you kind of it, there is a bit of an art to it. Like you you don't want them to be too fine, you don't want them to be too general. Um, it's just the the overall topic, the overall takeaway, and when you strip away whatever uh you know uh idiosyncratic language someone is using because of how they speak or whatever so so that's what i'll do and that is like the most laborious part of the process so you go through and you tag all those and then especially in um uh excel or, or google spreadsheets or whatever you can create a pivot table that will just like take that and then give you a count tally of like which theme came up Okay,
0: so let me let let me yeah. let me, uh, let me stop you right there, because I've actually done this exercise um, yeah. with some of my listeners recently, and this is it. So you basically have open-ended answers in one column. Yeah. You add a second column and yeah. you, you read the answer and you try to understand what is the theme, what is the category of this answer. And for example, for me, I got a lot of answers such as, I like how your guests go through practical steps in the podcast mm-hmm. that dives deeper than most, right? Mm-hmm. So in this instance, practical is the the, the tag I would use, but also uh, I would save that as, a, as an interesting quote that I could use in the yes. future. So I would type yes, that as absolutely. quote as well, right? And as you said- oh, got
1: the same process. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> <Converse> evolution.
0: <laughs> it's not magic though. Uh, it, it's yeah. just hard work, as you said. And it's a bit yeah. of an art, I, I agree with you. Uh, it takes a yeah. bit of time, right? If yeah. you've never done that before, it's gonna take a bit of time to really get to the bottom of, of of how to how to tag stuff and categorize. But please do not try to use AI or anything like this to do that for you. It's it, you need a human to review it somehow. It's it just, it, yeah, it just
1: I've been trying. Away. I've been trying to write like i have I'm doing a data science like one of those, you know, Coursera, John Hopkins data science courses, because, I, you know, I think understanding statistics and stuff is really important if you're going to be in conversion optimization, even if you're a copywriter. And uh, so I've one of the projects is like, you know, to come up with your own machine learning based thing. And I'm trying, I like this is the thing that I've been that's been driving me crazy is that like, I'm trying to figure out if you can use, you know, like, uh, natural language processing Mm -hmm. to be able to, like, text mine and, like, pull out themes. And it just doesn't, like, I can't get it to, it never compares with what a human can do. Yes. And it drives me crazy because it's just, (laughs) like, I'm trying, it would make my life so much easier. It would make all of our lives so much easier if this thing just worked. Like if if you could just put in a bunch of survey responses, like some machine could just tell you like, yes, the number one thing people care about is this, but it's just like, it, so the there's an idea. Terrible. <laughs> yes.
0: The, the results are usually terrible, but there is an idea. If somebody is clever enough to pull that off, uh, this is definitely. In... I want to
1: try to make it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you That's have a competitor quick, like
1: a project. Yeah. It's, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, a, a tip actually that uh, I have uh, something I've used recently to save a bit of time is usually when I have a lot of open-ended answer in front of me, I would plug that into a n gram analyzer. Uh, yeah. If you Google yeah. n-gram analyzer, you have a, a, a free tool. You just paste the text in it. And it's going to tell you how many times specific words or, or, or or two words together have been mentioned. And usually that helps you perhaps categorize things a bit better and a bit faster. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's true. Definitely. Um, I also, I mean, there's also the option of, especially if you, well, I, I live in Canada, so mechanical Turk doesn't even like, we can't even use it, which is really unfortunate, but, um, there's also no reason why you can't just like give it to, uh, like, go on task army, you know, if you can find someone who's good at data entry, um, and has a good grasp and you like explain like how, how to do it and you sort of get it started for them, you can do it and do like the first 20 questions and see, so you can, they can see how you fill it out and be like, go do the rest, please. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that's (laughs) a good point, right? You, You can definitely do that, but I would advise not to do it. I would advise not to delegate if you haven't done it before.
1: Oh yes. If you haven't done it before, don't do that. Yeah because you need to actually go over the results and make sure that they're doing them right. Right. So, but if you've done it a million times, then and you are willing to, you want to find someone to take it off your plate, that is an option.
0: Right. So we have now an Excel spreadsheet. We have tags next to each uh, thing. And then you mentioned this this weird thing called pivot tables. So for, for people who don't know what a pivot table is, is, is a nice way that Excel has to, to summarize data uh, into tables that are actually easy to digest. So if you don't know what, uh, how to use it, you should definitely Google pivot table, uh, Excel, and, and you will find tutorials to, to help you with it. But so you would advise then to create a pivot table that neatly summarize the data into accounts that says, well, this thing has been mentioned, you know, 20 times, this one has been mentioned five times. This one has been mentioned yes. three times, etc. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then that, and, and so once you have that, then you can get a sense of like, if you have your, if your top. Benefit is you know I don't know whatever it is um, like or so so go back and going back to the example of like a um, accounting software or something right like and then they say the top benefit of using your product is that um, you know it frees me out to focus on other things maybe that's like the top that yes. people bring up like you know frees up time so your yeah so your tag would be it frees up like frees up time basically um, then you can go you can do that you can grab. All of the customer survey responses that were tagged as freeze up time. And as you mentioned before, you've probably also, as you've been going along, tagging which ones are specifically very colorful, memorable, vivid descriptions like that you think would be good for headlines. You can go back over those entries and start finding turns of phrase and stuff that are particularly eye-catching for being able to communicate that value proposition.
0: Right. So that's almost too... That's almost two steps. So we had, we had, uh, step one, depending on, on the size of your business to actually mine data. Step two, survey, uh, from paying customers. Step three, on-site survey. Step four, collecting the data in Excel. Step five, uh, tagging those, uh, those data. Step six, uh, creating a pivot table and count tally. And step, uh, step seven is actually to, to also identify the key quotes. So when you tag really. Yeah be sure to mention, to tag those, those quotes that are, as you said, vivid, colorful, that they just sound right. They are like, Oh my God, I've never thought about it this way, but it makes so much sense.
1: Yes. Yes. Right. And that's, I mean, that's what Joanna probably mentioned is they call it, she calls it sticky copy, right? Like it's the copy that just like it evokes an image in your mind or a set or a sensory perception in your mind. And it's just, it just really drives home a firsthand account feeling of, whatever that benefit is you know it hits that emotional trigger yes and then that that's what you would go with for part of your headline yeah, yeah. Vis-
0: visual like so, exactly like it should it should trigger the visual spectrum like in your brain it should it, you yeah. should feel like there's something different about this quote uh, and it's difficult for for us uh, maybe to tell you perhaps i can go quickly into my excel spreadsheet and and select one actually i'm going to do that right now um because it's so interesting it's difficult without looking at the actual answers that people gave, uh, to you, mm. uh, you know, it's difficult yeah. to explain, but I think if I can find an example right now, which I'm doing, we're doing it live, you know, just like yeah. improvising, improvising, improvising. <laughs> <Do it live!
1: laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well, I have an example. I mean, I have a good example that, that, uh, that came up recently when I was doing, um, I was doing like sort of a beta version of like a course that I'm running right now, or, well, I just wrapped it. Um, and the it was for um a very specific type I can't say it was for a very specific type of like b2b uh software right but it was kind of that vendor type software where it's the software that you buy so that you can just meet a a particular clients requirements to work with you you know what i mean like Mm so a lot of people so that's really like this was a very interesting example because it was like oh we're not even talking about like a consumer product this is like a crazy weirdly obscure corporate product that like actually everybody uses you know and back channels of of supply chain stuff but you know nobody actually in the real world like knows it exists but it was this so so that so when we actually ended up surveying people um and serving customers and saying like, well, why did you buy this? Like, why did you start with us? You know, what's the number one benefit that you got? And like, a lot of the responses that we got were like, like the top thing was like, well, I had to, because I had to, like, because the, you know, I couldn't do business with this person. It was a requirement. Like, it was it was the, it was the supplier's requirement or sure. the vendor's requirement. So like, that's like you're like, well, that's kind of hard to make a a good headline. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's not, you know what I mean? It's like, well, like. yeah like what's the headline gonna be like well you know buy this because you have to (laughs) that sounds good yeah you know so that's not the best one so that was a really interesting challenge you know to to have as a course guinea pig but we ended up finding out that like you know we went over some more um testimonial content some more voice of customer feedback and one person responded one guy said he's like i love this like the thing I love about this product is that it allows me to say yes to every vendor, like to every client, like every person who wants to do business with me. If I have this already, we can do business.
0: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
1: So I can say yes to every retailer. And that was like, Oh, that is a great headline. Cause that really drives home vividly. Like the freedom, like that, that emotional freedom and like power that you have right you're triggering that where you can say like say yes to every retailer you know what i mean like just boom like and it's not about well i do it because i have to like or because you know it was a requirement or whatever so that completely changed the feeling around it and you know and i saw it like as soon as i saw it like i was going through all these responses and i was just like oh these are you know some of these are okay but i don't know if i'd use any of these as a headline and then i saw that and i was like well that's (laughs) taken care of like that's,
0: that's
1: my headline like right. for, you know like it stands out like you just see it and you're like oh yeah
0: <laughs> so I have i found two examples actually to share with you so uh, uh, listeners like the fact that it's really based this podcast is based on, on tr- the truth and the fundamentals behind marketing the things that won't change uh tomorrow so one person said it teaches you to run the marathon and not the hundred meter sprint which is okay. quite quite interesting um Another one, uh, when a lot of people also said that it changed the way they thought about marketing, and somebody, a uh, listener in particular, told me, I like to come back to my boss after lunch and tell him, have you heard of this? And he's impressed and wonders how I came up with that. So <laughs> yeah. this particular listener would, would uh, actually come com, uh, go for lunch, listen to the podcast, go back after lunch to her boss. And shows off and showed off, you know, basically yeah. saying I've learned so many things. So this isn't, pro- th- there aren't probably like, the best, best example I could find because I have a lot yeah, of data yeah. in front of me, but it goes to show you that I would have never explained uh, this podcast this way ever. It's just, mm-hmm. I had to talk to people and this is how I I, I, I came up with the data. So right, we have yeah. these categories, we have those key quotes. Now, how do we come up with the value proposition?
1: So the value proposition, so what I would usually do, like, I like to think of value propositions in terms of headlines. Cause like your headline is kind of that value, pro, a value proposition based headline is basically like, you know, 10 word max pitch you yes. know, of like, so you might as well just go right from there and try to try to state your case as a headline as a, you know, and what I would normally do is for a value proposition based headline, um, Try to think of, and this is where the the bits and pieces of the survey kind of come together. Um, it, it usually follows some kind of, and this is ideally like a great place to put it is on your homepage, for example, when someone is just like all kinds of different traffic or just coming to figure out like what, what you're all about. And you want to just straight off the bat in no, no, not being clever about it or cute or coy or coming up with weird turns of phrase or whatever just a straight shot sentence of like you know the we're the we're the only product we're the biggest product we're the you know some superlative adjective and then you bring up the like the product category that you're in because you need to make sure you make that actually clear like if you're accounting software you better tell them that what you're offering is accounting software Mm -hmm. because you have a lot of people who are coming who want to just be oriented about like What is this? Am I in the right place? So you need to make sure you include that keyword in there of like what you're actually selling and not try to, you know, obscure it by being clever. And then basically that lets you do that lets you and then like the rest of the headline is where you fill in the that best desired outcome, that top desired outcome or top benefit. Right. So your headline is like the only accounting software that lets you blah you know, and then that's where you fill in that survey response. And like, you don't necessarily need to be, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the only thing. I mean, depending on what people said that they're, what your visitors say that they're, uh, looking for or what, however you can differentiate yourself. Um, you can say like some other, like the biggest or the best, don't say the best, the best is not (laughs) <laughs> a good adjective to use because it's just it means nothing yeah don't lie but essentially yeah but the focus is basically just to just straight shot say that you know you're the product x that lets you achieve the thing that most people are looking for
0: great uh, and, and there is you you said something very quickly that i think is absolutely critical you said that your homepage is usually the place where many different types of traffic comes comes in with different intent. And I think this is something that we need to nail. This is why a strong value proposition is so powerful. This is why, instead of saying, we are revolutionizing accounting, blah, 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 that doesn't make any sense, you need to really make it very clear because people, some people from search might come from, you know, just looking uh, for accounting information. Paid, uh, people coming from paid might come from brand in search. So they might actually look for your particular brand. Social media type of traffic might come from a completely different perspective again and again. So the only thing, in a sense, that really would work for anyone is Mm -hmm. a value proposition that is, as you said, simple, that makes sense, that people actually agree with, uh, that basically people came up with.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the thing I think that people try where people go wrong with value propositions is they focus way too much on how to differentiate themselves from like they look at the competitors and say like, well, how can we say something different than, or make ourselves sound different than X, Y, or Z competitors, instead of like focusing on the actual people who are landing on your website and your customers and what the customers want and making your messaging just fit that requirement. Right. And uh, like, just to add on to that, the other thing that people I feel do Uh, where they go wrong with their value proposition headlines on their homepage is that they want to be overly unique in, in establishing their brand identity and like what they're all about. And that tends to compromise the clarity of what you're offering. So yes, sometimes a value proposition headline is not like the sexiest headline because it needs to be super clear. Like it, you can't, you can't risk, implying something about what um you know what you offer you just need to be straight about it like we provide this product that gives you this benefit and like if you can add on to that in some way that lets people know the exclusive um option like like the exclusive differentiator benefit to add on to that to make you different then you know, that's a bonus, but sometimes you can't always get that in there, but it's a good thing to have. I'm trying to think of like the pet doors, I example, like I did petdoors.com as an example in my conversion Excel course. And I can't remember the headline that we came up with, but I know it's still on their website, like a year later.
0: I let you take a look and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just uh, maybe summarize a little bit what you said. This is critical and amen, amen to that because you will be able to stand out and differentiate yourself by being clear because 99%, and this is just a random number I'm, I'm saying, so don't quote me on that, but 99% of companies and headlines and value propositions online don't make any sense, are not clear, are not talking to the right person. So your opportunity to stand out is just by, as Moko said, making it clear, making it effective, making it honest and transparent. And you will improve your conversions uh, if you had a, a value proposition that was average That's or below power. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like it's just an, a a clear value proposition, a clear motivation aligned value proposition, like a, like a value proposition that's aligned with what your customers want. That is an exceptional value proposition. Like that's way ahead of the curve for most people when they're, when it comes to their websites. Right. So yeah, like most of the time when I'm working with clients, like that's the, that's the objective, right? Like they've gone so far off the rails trying to be exceptional in all these overly subtle ways that they've they've just missed the entire point of just like letting like making it clear to customers that you have what they're looking for what they would like to use yes you know so like for example the i just wanted to give a headline i just looked it up now like the petdoors.com headline that we ended up going with is shop the world's largest selection of built to last weather tight pet doors right so in that headline i've included a, obvi- I mean, it's petdoors.com, so you better be looking for pet doors if you're there. But like, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> right? but obviously, like, have the word pet doors in there because you're selling pet doors, right? And then it says shop. Like, we found out through our survey responses that the number one differentiator that people uh, for why they ended up choosing um, from petdoors.com as opposed to somewhere else was that they had the largest and more comprehensive selection, right? So Shop the World's Largest Selection, which is actually true, um, of built-to-last weathertight pet doors. Because when we asked around with the visitor surveys, what's the number one thing you're looking for, the two things that came up were re- like being weathertight and being durable. So quality and, and durability. And then when we talked to the customer survey, like we uh, surveyed the customers, they said the number one benefit that they got from – buying from petdoors.com is that they, it was the resilience. Like it was the, um, um, how durable and how, like what good quality it was and all that stuff. So there was like this very clear overlap between like what people wanted and what people got, but they didn't, but the website copy was getting in the way of that flow. Right. So all we had to do was just come up with a value proposition that like opened that up and showed you know, that yes, you will get exactly what you're looking for. The number one thing you're looking for is like durable weather type pet doors. And you need, you know, an obscure part that like not everyone has, like you can get it here. So it was very easy in that respect. And it worked really well. Like they still have it up there now.
0: This is a fantastic example. Really fantastic because pet doors are not necessarily the sexiest product to sell. And you didn't try to get crazy smart about it. You just said as it is based on people's research. And they still have it today, meaning that it probably worked. Do you have any numbers to share potentially between the headline that was there prior and, and the new headline you came up with?
1: Yeah, well, we we ran like a full, the full page. Like it was a redesign of the full page. Okay. Um, and then since then they've gotten like, a oh, I can't remember. I have the case study. Hold on. I know that when we ran the tests, we ran a, a couple of tests back to back and we ended up getting like a 50, 51% increase in transaction rate and like a 92% increase in like revenue per visitor or something like that. Um, so yeah, it was a very, it was very good. Like it was, it was a, it was a huge bonus, but then since then, like they've had it, like I went back, you know, like six months later to just, to, cause I like, cause I, you know, I like to double check and see like, how are things going with these, you know, people I've worked with. And, um, I think it was, give, if, can you give me like, just like two seconds and I'll find the case study. You can have it.
0: Sure. Go on. This is the beauty of this podcast, as you can hear, is that <laughs> we are not staging any of it. And this is another thing, by the way, that people like about this podcast is the convers the conversations, not the overly staged questions and answers that everybody will hear typically in a podcast. So
1: yeah, we increased the revenue per visitor from the, by doing a an overhaul, like a value proposition based overhaul of the homepage. We increased the revenue per visitor by like 145%. Wow. So yeah, I mean, to be fair, I do need to make sure that it's understood that like they had like a pretty standard uh, e-commerce homepage to begin with. Like it's not like, like we got, I think you can get a lot done. You can get a lot of wins just on like following these basic principles. But like, obviously if it's, um, if, you know, you have a highly optimized homepage and you've been iterating for ages and you're really getting down, like you might not be able to get Yes. those types of results like that's very i just want to make that clear because I, I always want to make sure that people understand that like yes it's great to get wins like that but it also really depends on the context like mm-hmm. if it's a completely unoptimized page yeah. yeah like you can definitely get a lot of wins out of it
0: so perhaps i can ask you three questions um something that so, something something that might uh, put you out of your comfort zone but can you share can you share a case uh, a case study that actually went bad can you share a point where you tried to work with a client it just didn't work
1: Uh, so one thing that I think is interesting, if you, um, look at the, the one thing that comes off the top of my head, if you look at this homepage, uh, well, obviously we're on audio only, but if you go to petdoors.com, the original, um, uh, homepage that we had, we had a section and I didn't get to talk about this in my, when I went over it, uh, in in my talk, but we had a question or so we had a, a homepage that if you scroll down on it, it went from like the, the top of the of the page was very value proposition focused, right? Like value proposition, benefit, call to action, go, right? And then once you go down, it went in, when you scroll further, it started to have a section that I like to usually include that really agitates like pain points, right? So that's part of like, including that narrative of like agitating that pain point. So people feel and remember why they would want to get a pet door in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it gets into like the, you know, demonstrating the solution and what's so great and all that, all those great details about, you know, product related benefits, and then you go into reassurances, and then you go into call to action. So that's the general flow that I like to follow. That's, uh, I like to call the why try buy flow. Um, but, uh, when we ran it the first time we were getting an increase in clicks in the home on the, in the value proposition, like, or the call to action at the top of the page. But then like, I found that like, we weren't get like, we we're, we we're getting okay results with the first test, But I, but it wasn't great. I can't remember what it was. It was definitely an improvement, but it wasn't like, like, it wasn't something I was happy with. So then I was trying to, I was scratching my head as to like why this might be happening. But thankfully, and I strongly recommend everybody do this. uh, I had run a heat map on the new test page, as well as the control page, right? So that I could get a sense of engagement, um, of what people were doing when they hit the page. Right. And as I scroll down, I noticed that when they got to the part that started trying to introduce the pain related narrative, you know, like, oh, it's so tough not having a pet door or whatever, like, it, you know, you have to get up all the time and like, let the dog out, and blah, 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 blah. And when it got to that section, there was a drop off, right? Like I could see that like people were not they were getting that point, And then it was kind of like losing people. And so my hypothesis from that was, and I I suspected this, just looking at the page that we came up with, because um, uh, the the CEO of the company told me, he's like, well, people who come to our site, they're pretty like, uh, they know what they want. Like they know they're here to get a, um, uh, a pet door. They, they have a pretty good sense of what they're looking for and all that stuff. So their product awareness is very high. So my suspicion was, are, are people going to have the patience to like, bother going through this sort of like, you know, sort of story related narrative that kind of walks them through like, oh, you know, recounts the experience of not having a pet door, or is that just gonna people are have do not have enough patience for that, they just want to get to the product and buy it. So once I saw that, I was like, "Mm, I think that we need to cut that part out, the part that like tries to introduce, like, recounting the story, the pain the before and then bringing in the after, let's just get rid of the before let's just take it out and we'll rerun the test. So we took that part out. And then we reran the test where it was just it went straight from value proposition to as you scroll down just more details about how awesome the products are and what you get out of it. None of the stuff about you know, how crappy it is not having a pet door. And, uh, and once we did that, then we got like significant improvements in results. And I was like, Nice. That was where something went wrong. So that was one of the things, and this is something that I've been encouraging in my core, like my subsequent core, like beta course that I did recently is that like, don't stop at the makeover, you know, or sorry, don't stop at the first iteration, right? You do the first one, make sure you have a heat map on that page so you can see how people are engaging with it. And you can do that with Hotjar, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, And then then if you, if something goes a little off about it, you have something to work with to further optimize. Right. And people don't do that. Like they'll just blindly run a test and then they don't know, like if something's not really working, they don't, they have no idea why. Right. Right. So that's an example. That's, that's an example that always comes to mind. I always, I love that result because it's like, it's not, it's sort of like a, you know, it's not win or lose, it's win or learn. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you
0: get something out of it. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty good way to end uh, this step-by-step and value proposition. I think we went into a lot of details, uh, which is great. So what do you think marketers in general, and not only marketers now, but marketers, tech people and founders should learn today that will help them in the next 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years?
1: Oh, in, tw- in 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years. Uh, I was thinking about this. Honestly, I know that we're we're kind of saying don't use AI to read your <laughs> your survey responses. But I do think that uh, as a marketer, getting more familiar with machine learning in general, it uh, doesn't mean that you have to know how to like run the stuff. But I do think that, like, you know, machine learning can has a lot of potential to anticipate need and to anticipate desire. And that's something that marketers that's kind of your wheelhouse So I think that's a good thing to understand because it's I think over time it's going to get to a point where it's not really about uh, like you're going to have to be literate enough to talk about the machine learning algorithms that you have running and like figure out when they go sideways like how to, you may want to tweak and optimize and stuff as you go, because it's going to be part of the process, I think. Yes. It, like if we're talking about 10 years, 20 years, definitely. Yes. Like you're not going to be doing that part manually anymore. You're going to run machine learning algorithms that will go and optimize themselves based on factors that you have chosen, you know, like predictor variables that you have chosen as being important and, you know, optimize according to that. So you have to be able to be literate enough to go in there and say, like, ah, maybe we should incorporate these other variables or take these out, or this one's gone haywire, whatever. So I think that's really important. Um, I think another one is, uh, is, and this is on the complete other end of the spectrum, but at the same time as being more familiar with like machine learning and automating that kind of intel, um, getting, incorporating amazing, like really good customer service and really good customer compassion. Um, at the same time, because that's the thing that keeps the customer, right? Like, like, you can use all kinds of crazy tactics to capture the interest or find out where the interest is and funnel it into your business. Um, But at the end of the day, the more and more I talk to, like, customers of my clients and stuff, it, it really is like, if you treat the customer well, then they stay, you know, and then you keep making money off of them, which is really important. And it's a part of the marketing like life cycle that I think is is highly neglected and overemphasized. And it's left to these like, you know, unknown soldiers, you know, or unsung heroes who are in the customer service department, who happen to be, you know, if they're very good at what they do, they keep the customer for you, you know. Um, so I think that's the other side of it that I think is really important.
0: What are the top three? resources you would recommend, uh, to people in particular. So that could be podcast book conferences, whatever it is. You have to pick three though.
1: Okay. So for me, uh, in terms of like messaging and copy, I always say that copy hackers is just the best one to go to. I've been saying that for years. Um, so I would go there if you need messaging and copy help. Um, if you need analytics help, uh, I find that Luna metrics is a really good blog. Um, I I can't pick a runner up for that because I have like three blogs that I like to go to for, I'll just leave it at Luna Metrics. I find that they're, they're great. Um, and then I guess, yeah, for like high level, not necessarily high level, but like broad spectrum conversion optimization strategy, uh, conversion Excel and the Facebook group is a really good one to say.
0: So yeah. Momoko, you've been a pleasure. Uh, I learned a lot from you today, and I, I, I hope that listeners will as well. I actually know that they will. Uh, you've shared okay. a lot of uh, a lot of nuggets. Uh, so where can listeners connect with you and learn more from you? <laughs>
1: um, well, uh, if you want to connect with me, I think um, the I I actually killed my Facebook and I killed my Twitter. I'm on Instagram for Momoko Price. If you want to just yeah, but it's basically pictures of me with, like, bruises and, uh, like, cauliflower ear from going to the MMA gym. Um, so that might not be the best way to connect with, with me. Uh, LinkedIn is is still there. Um, but if you really want to, like, talk to me, um, then – or just, like, keep in touch with what I'm doing and get a dialogue going, uh, you just, like – you can go on my website, and there's the option to um, – to download my value proposition book, and through there, like I actually send out letters to my like my list of uh, people that I'm engaging with, and we just go back and forth, and I give updates about what I'm doing and stuff. So there's that too. local Price at TanTan.io is also my email. I love email.
0: <laughs> so your website, you mentioned your website, but you hasn't you haven't. Uh, oh, sorry, given it's, the
1: uh, it's it's TanTan K A N T A N dot io.
0: Great. So Momoko, once again, thank you so much for your time. All
1: right, man. It's
0: good to talk to you. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email lists uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short personal emails every two weeks i would say we i'll inform you of guests in advance i'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get and i'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests and perhaps i can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday so don't be afraid to subscribe i'm not going to spam you and you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish the second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback. We know that this show is not perfect yet and we always uh, can improve. So you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com. Good or bad, please feel free to send me an email. And the last thing I like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode, please share it to your friends, your colleagues or whoever might like it. And also please review it on iTunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast. Because if you leave us a five-star review, it means that more people will be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker. So thank you so much once again. And au revoir.